0: Welcome. Great to have you guys here today. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thank you for being a part of our services. Let's give it up for our God behind bars, men and women as well. Thanks for joining us. Glad you guys are with us. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank all of our campuses because of your generous giving, by the way. We're, we're not only in a few prisons anymore. Now we're in prisons all across the entire state of Texas. So thank you for giving to help make that happen. We get letters all the time. And so, we get letters all the time from prisoners saying, Thank you so much for bringing this truth to us. And so, we love hearing that. So, we love hearing from you as well. So, thanks for keeping those letters coming. We love that. We really appreciate you guys being a part. In fact, we had an offering just a while back, you know, our annual offering. We had people from prison give to that. How crazy is that? I was blown away by that. So cool. So, again, thanks for being a part of our services today. We're talking about Ruth's day. I'm excited about that. Before we jump in, what's our mission statement? What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. So we're all about here at Church Unlimited. I do want to take a moment to thank my lovely wife also who shared last week for Mother's Day. It was amazing, babe. Thank you so much. It was awesome. So it was great having her up here. And uh, we talked, of course, the week before that, we started the whole series on Ruth, talking about Naomi, her mother-in-law. We kind of unpacked that. If you were not able to be here, I want to encourage you to get the Church Unlimited app and, and watch that match. We talked about how Naomi went, heard her husband, went from from Bethlehem to Moab, which was a very uh, secular city, uh, very bloodthirsty city, basically, eh, horrible kinds of worship, all kinds of false god worship. And we talked about that, how she, when she came back to Bethlehem, she was actually coming back to God as well. And so we unpacked that, but she, uh, when, when her and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem, that's where we're gonna pick up the story now, they both are now widowed. And so to be widowed in the Middle East is bad enough in today's day, but in the ancient Middle East, you were not allowed to own any property unless you had a male child um, or a brother or someone who could be a family redeemer, essentially like a, like a second cousin come in and they could marry you and then you could own all your property through the legal, uh, re- the legal remedy was through a man, basically. Now, understand when the Bible says that, the Bible's not saying it's right. It's just telling you how it was. And so that's how that was back then. No one's approving of that today. We're saying, like, yeah, that's the way you should be. No, we, we know that was not right, but this is the way it worked back then. So here, now we've got Naomi and Ruth. They come back to Bethlehem. They come back to God's people, which is great, but they're still not where they want to be. They're still destitute. They still are really hurting. They, they, need, they need an income. They have no legal rights to own anything. So even though uh, you know Naomi comes back and they actually hurt, she had family land that her husband owned in Bethlehem, she can't have access to it because she can't own it because her husband's dead. And so they're still in a really bad spot. And so today's message is called Everything Can Change, because I want you to know, no matter how bad things may be in your life right now, God can change everything. Everything can completely change your life. But I want to tell you something. I want you to listen very carefully. God can change everything, but nothing is going to change until you do. So today we're going to talk about some steps you can take so that everything else can change in your life. And yes, this is also a love story about Ruth and Boaz. But even if you say, I'm already married, I don't need this today. No, I promise you there's there's information you're going to want in this message. First of all, I don't know any guy that doesn't want to be a Boaz. The first verse in Ruth chapter 2, says, it says that Boaz was a rich and influential man. I'm pretty sure every guy in here would be like, I'd like that. That'd be great. I'd love to be a God-fearing, rich, influential man, right? He was actually a rich, influential single man. Now, where are all the single ladies? All the single ladies? All the single ladies. I know you're out there. I don't know a single woman here that's not going to go, I'm interested in that. That sounds great. And so if you want to know how do I find a Boaz, or maybe men are saying, I want to find a Ruth, a a godly woman who is there, and and, and God is placed in my path. I would love that. So either way, and so whether you're married or single, I think this message will apply to you today, but everything can change once you begin to make some changes. So let's let's unpack that. What do they do? Check it out. Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, "'One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it.' Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her dead father-in-law. So I love how it says, and it just so happened to have happened that she ended up at a field owned by a guy named Boaz who was like rich, good-looking, he walks in, hi, I'm Boaz, Like, this is what she's dreaming of, right? I mean, she's like, Are you kidding me? This is great, right? Now, nothing happens yet. I don't want to give that impression it doesn't, but she just simply goes and says, I need to feed my family. Like, I've got Naomi with me, and so Naomi's older, and so Ruth feels responsibility. Remember earlier, she said to to Ruth, when when Ruth said to her, to, to Ruth, sorry, when Naomi said to Ruth and Orpah, the two daughter in laws that both lost their husbands, Naomi's boys, uh, she said, "Y'all go home, be with your families. You're young enough. You're young and pretty. Some guy'll pick you up and you know fall in love, and you'll you know have a family with him, right?" And so Orpah says, takes her up on, "Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that." So she goes back to her family. But Ruth says, "No, wherever you go, I'm going. Where you die, I'm dying. Your God is my God. Your people are my people." She's like, "I'm one of you now." Like essentially, when she married her husband, she she took on her husband's faith. So even though he's passed away, she still has her faith. She's like, "No, your God's my God now." She's like, basically, I'm from Moab. I know how jacked up this is, and I know that the way you do it, your God's real. I'm sticking with that God. So she goes, okay, let's go. So they go back to Bethlehem together. And so now she she feels this responsibility to take care of Naomi. So she says, look, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but I'm at least going to bring home lunch. So I'm going to go out and do and just find some food, some scraps if I have to, you know, from some field wherever they're harvesting a the field. I'll see if they'll let me go behind them and just pick up some scraps so we can bring home something for dinner. So when she does that, guess what? God blesses that. She just went to bring home dinner, to bring home something to eat for the day or even a couple of days and God blessed her by by introducing her to Boaz, who said, hey, you know what? And I don't have time to read all the scripture, but there's a giant passage scripture, and it's a lot. I don't want to sit here in front of you and just read, okay? But let me tell you what it it says. Boaz shows up. He walks over to the field, and she had already asked the guy that was the the field manager, do you mind if I pick up some scraps? He's like, yeah, it's no problem. Just stay behind our crew. That's fine. And so she did that. Boaz shows up to check on this field, when Boaz walks up, the first thing he says, like he always does to all his workers, he says, the Lord bless you. And they all look up and say, the Lord bless you. Isn't that interesting that the first thing comes out of his mouth is the Lord bless you? Can I tell you something? Listen, if you're looking for someone who's mature in the Lord, just listen to what comes out of their mouth. And if it's maturity, then you'll know they're mature. If immaturity comes out of their mouth, you know they're immature. You just, we give ourselves away by the things we say. And so he walked up, first thing out of his mouth, the Lord bless you, right? And so then he says to his foreman, hey, who's that? Who's that girl over there, right? And so now he says, I love how he said that. He says, Who does she belong to? I love that phrase. Now that was either like, who does she belong to? Or it was like, who does she belong to? Well, I'm not sure which one it was. But either way, he wanted to know, like, is she married? Is she single? What's the deal? And then the foreman says, Oh, that's Ruth. Uh, she just came because she needed some food. So we we thought you wouldn't mind. And he was like, No, it's no problem. And uh, and then he goes over to Ruth and says, "Hey, are you Ruth, right?" She says, "Oh yes, sir. I'm Boaz. Nice to meet you." He says, "Hey, look, I love this." He says, "Hey, look, I can't guarantee your protection of all these fields, but I own this field. So if you just come back here every day during this entire harvest, you can you can take as much as you need." And so she's blown away, but she just wanted to get lunch. She just wanted to gather a little food to take care of Naomi and her. She immediately gets on her knees. She says, thank you, sir. You don't have to do this. Why are you being so kind to me? I'm a foreigner. And then he says this. He says, I'll tell you why I'm being so kind to you. Because I know Naomi. You see, I was friends with her husband who's passed away. And I love how you're taking care of her. And because you're taking care of her, we're gonna take care of you. Guys, loyalty still matters. And because Ruth was loyal to Naomi, she didn't even know Boaz, but word had gotten out. Why? It's a small town. I mean, Bethlehem's not a big town. They said the population of Bethlehem was around 700 people. So they all knew each other. So word got around pretty quick, right? And so she's like, he's like, yeah, I know who you are. And I think it's amazing how you came back and you're taking care of Naomi. So we want to make sure that you're taking care of. Then he said this. He said, by the way, stick with us. You don't have to just come today. You can come every day. Come the whole harvest. I'm great with that. She's blown away. She's like, you're basically offering me a job. You're basically telling me I can, I can work for you. I can grab, grab scraps. And he says, absolutely. Then at lunchtime, He says, hey, uh, Ruth right? come on over here and eat with us. And he sits down and eats with them. By the way, this, this is an influential rich man that says, you want a clue on how to become that kind of guy? You want to become that kind of person in your business? Be what's called a player's coach. He had lunch with the workers. I love that he sat down with them. He had lunch with them. He said, how's your family? How are you guys doing? Tell me what's going on. He knew about them. He he wasn't this, oh, I'm better than you. I'm above you. No, he he knew. You know what? I'm blessed and I want to be a blessing to you and I want to know you. And he cared for those he worked with. This this mentality of like, I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to tell people what they do. No one's going to want to follow you then. And so people want someone who cares for others. So he was that kind of guy. So he says, hey, Ruth, come over and eat with us. So she ate. So she thought she was gathering food just so she could go home and make a dinner. Now she gets a free meal. And he says, Yeah, just come eat with us. And then he tells his foreman before he leaves, he goes, Hey, make sure that the workers leave extra grain out for her, leave extra stalks. Like, don't, don't even strip it all bare. Leave some, like normally you'd be in trouble for that, like you did, you weren't efficient in your work, but go ahead and be a little inefficient on purpose. Leave her some really good crops to take home. So now on purpose, she's got a handful of food to take home to Naomi. What's the point of this? All she did was set out to bring home lunch, and she ended up with a job for the next year. Think about that. In fact, the Scripture tells us that she worked more than one season with them. I love that. So first thing, if you take taking notes, number one is this. No matter how dire your situation, take the initiative. God opens the door after you display faith and works, not just faith. See, some of you right now are like, I have the faith to believe God can bring me a great relationship. Awesome. I'm glad you have faith, but take the initiative and do something too. I have faith to believe God can turn my health around. Great, you should have faith, but you should also probably eat a salad now and then. I have faith that God can turn my finances around. God's like, I will bless your finances, but you got to give me something to bless. Don't spend every dime you have, right? In other words, the point is is that we got to give something to bless. We need to learn to take the initiative. If you don't get up and do something, God doesn't have anything to bless. So it's not just have faith, have faith and go to work. Get your butt up and do something different if you want a new result. Make sense? That's right. I said, button church. Okay. So, so no matter how dire a situation, take the initiative, go do something different so you get a new result. Now look what happens. I love this. So she comes home with all this food. She, she walks in, she's got a whole uh, arms full of food. And Naomi's like, oh my goodness, where'd you get all that? And this is what she says. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Ruth said, the man I worked with today, his name was Boaz. May the Lord bless him. He is showing his kindness to us. That man is one of our family redeemers. Now, we're going to explain what a family redeemer is in a moment. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi explained, do as he said. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field and gathered grain until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with him through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. She didn't just work one harvest, she worked two harvests. You know what that tells me, two seasons? That tells me she basically worked for him for a year. Now, this is really important because I want to talk to the singles for a second. Singles, here is the reason why a lot of your relationships are crashing and burning. It's because you're falling for potential rather than looking at patterns. Potential means, oh, she's cute. You're cute. Let's go out. Maybe they're godly. Maybe I'll look out and they want to honor God with their life. You don't really know them, though. We say, well, no, I know them. I met them in church. Well, congratulations. They may have been here for 2.5 seconds, though. So we don't know anything about them yet. They could come in church. And by the way, have you not figured this out? your singles? If someone knows how to say the Jesus line and not really be walking it. And so what I want to know is what were they doing six months before? What were they doing a year before? Because there should be a pattern of godliness before you ever even meet them. And so, because guess what happens? As soon as you break up with someone who wasn't walking with God, they go right back to the club and we act shocked. I can't believe they did that. But that, they were barely out of it when you met them. And so you gotta give it time, give it a season to see if they're serious about walking with God. No, I know he's a Christian. He's got a crucifix in his ear. Yeah, that's really not enough. Okay, we need to actually see them walking with God, Okay. I mean, we need to look at some patterns. Had had the last three boyfriends or girlfriends they had, did they sleep with all of them? Were they they ungodly relationships? And what makes you think this is suddenly gonna turn into a godly relationship? And so we've gotta look at patterns. You've got to give it time. Singles, quit jumping too quickly. Oh, but he's so cute. He's got a convertible and a tight butt. Oh, that's great. (laughs) But the tight butt's gonna go out about the same time the convertible does. So let me let you in on something right now, okay? This is a big deal. I just need to break this down to you, okay? You're looking for someone to be married to for 50 plus years, you need longer than a month to know this person. Does that make sense? So you have to give it time. We don't really know this person. Boaz was a man of characters we're about to see, and Ruth got to watch him to see what he was really like for an entire year before anything happened. You, you don't read the story. You don't read that it, it says, and Boaz took Ruth off on the weekend to Athens for a romantic time. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything like that. It doesn't say, and so Ruth and Boaz decided to play house and move in together. Just try it out. It doesn't say that either. There's none of that going on here. They didn't They didn't have a one-night stand. None of that stuff happened. They, they just... They just sat and Boaz continued to do what he was doing already and Ruth was doing what she was doing and they were just watching each other. That was it. And so they just want to see about each other. You don't know this person yet. You've got to see some patterns. Ladies, are you hearing me loud and clear? Just because he talks big about Jesus doesn't mean he's walking with Jesus. This is what I love about the you. We talk about it all the time around here. We need you serve. What, what, is, what is the you? We, Church Unlimited is where we get the you. It's you serve, you give, you tithe, you bring, right? You attend. And so are you doing those things regularly? Let's watch your pattern to see if you're serious about God or did you just do that for the last couple months? Give it a year to see if this person's serious about walking with God before you actually consider going out with him and going further. We need to know what we got. Ladies, do you hear what I'm saying right now? Men, do you hear what I'm saying? Look for those trends. I know all the women are like, man, I want a Boaz. I know I want you to have a Boaz, but I don't want you to have a Broaz. I want you to have a Boaz. <laughs> and not a beat ass, a broaz. And not a smart-ass, a Boaz. Are you hearing me loud and clear here? I couldn't resist it. Sorry, I just couldn't, I couldn't resist that. So anyways, the point is this. We need someone who's walking with God. And the only way to know someone's walking with God is you have to give it time. Or you can, you know what? You can buck this if you want to say, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do what I want. Or here's what a, a lot of people do is they, they start off with a whole Christian dating thing. And then all of a sudden, you know what? Friday night comes and the, the, the temptation heats up and you end up doing things you regret, but you just don't tell anyone. You continue the a relationship. You try to act like it's godly and you just pro- progress and progress and you don't get that right. And then you're getting married and you have kids and then you're really shocked when 10 years later, there's a divorce and things just turn out kind of like the world. Well you dated like the world, so would you Expect the marriage to be like. It'll be like the world too. And so I'm trying to protect you from what I call a decade delay okay? And I know some some singles know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't gone through that, praise God. But just ask around our church and find some single mom or single dad who will tell you, oh yeah, I already did that. I've been down that road. Please don't do that. Why don't you back up and honor God? Do it the right way so God can bless it. I don't want you on a decade delay. And I certainly don't want you on a second decade delay or a third decade delay. Please do this the right way. God will bless us. It seems crazy. It seems antiquated. It seems so against the way the world does it. But the world's getting it wrong and it's jacking us up. Let's do this the right way singles. You hear me? God does want to bless you, but we have to do this the right way, okay? And so let's move forward and let's progress in the story. So a year goes by, she is still taking care of Naomi, still living with her. Boaz is still running the fields, right? And so all of a sudden, now after seeing how they are, seeing Boaz for his true self, seeing Ruth, who she really was, and so look what happens next. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind to you. Now do as I tell you, take a bath, and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Singles, will really help your dating life if you take a bath. I just want to let you know. <laughs> really will help you. Okay. Then go to the threshing floor tonight, but don't let Boaz see you until he is finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. What? <laughs> if you just read that like I did, you're like, okay, whoa, uh, I'm sure he'll tell her what to do. But what exactly is that going to mean, right? What, is, what does that mean? Well, we don't have the cultural context to understand what this means, but I want to explain it. Before I do that, I want to mention one other thing because maybe you're married or, or a single guy and you're like, I want to be a Boaz. Like, this guy was rich and influential. Are there any clues here in the scripture? Here's a clue Naomi said, Hey, tonight I know Boaz will be at the threshing floor. Why the threshing floor? The threshing floor was the last part of the process for harvesting. Okay? And so, why was he there? Because he worked late into the night. You want to be successful? You need to throw away the idea of a 40-hour work week. People who are successful work all the time, okay? And if you're single, it's way easier to do that because you don't have a wife or kids that you're, you're not neglecting anyone. It's just you. So you can, you can burn them. Listen, when you're single, this is a time to get ahead in your career like crazy because eventually when you have a family, you can't do that. You can't just work to hours. And I still work a lot of hours, but what I've learned to do with ministry is to put my kids, especially when they were little, put them in my back pocket and take them with me. And so that way I can still balance it out. So we are a ministry family. Our kids just go with us everywhere we go when we do ministry. That's what we did as they were growing up. So I just want to encourage you, whatever you do, bring your kids along with you, but know this, no one is successful working normal hours. Just unless you say, are you saying workaholism is, is, is okay? No, I'm saying if you want to be a success, you're not going to be like a normal person. That's just everyone who's successful knows this. I just want to encourage you to understand that. And so again, when you're single, this is a time to advance much faster because there's no family to go home to. So guess what? He literally worked himself till he was tired, ate, and went to bed. Wherever he was, he just like, I'll just plop down right here. The reason he could probably sleep at the threshing floor is because he owned it. So he's like, yeah, it's, it's my threshing floor. I'll just sleep here. Who cares? And so he just went to bed, right? She waited for him. Then when, she, when he fell asleep, Look what it says, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night, followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he laid down at the far end of a pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. Now, before I explain the meaning, let me tell you what it's not meaning. It's not meaning that she went to sleep with him. That's not what this means at all. And so, in fact, to be clear, let me show you another translation of the same verse. It says in Ruth three, verse four, to let him know that you are available to him for marriage. So he uncovered his feet and he laid down at his feet. He did not lay down, she did not lay down beside him or, or, or slip under the covers with him. That would have a whole different meaning. But when you uncover his feet, what it was basically saying, she was saying, your feet are cold, right? And so it's kind of like, which I think it's kind of humorous too, by the way, Boaz literally had cold feet, right? And so basically what this is saying was your feet are cold. In other words, you you don't have anyone that you're sleeping with that's in bed with you, and I need a covering. Does that make sense? So this this is essentially a cultural marriage proposal. So she is approaching him, which is pretty crazy. So it's kind of built in. Now, now obviously, she's just basically saying in a nice way, I'm available, is what she's really saying. I'm available for marriage, okay? Now, what happens next is really great. Before, we, before I get to that, I wanna just mention a couple things. The first thing I mentioned was take the initiative. The second one was look for, not potential, but look for patterns. And the third thing is to get under spiritual authority. When it comes to dating, you need to be under spiritual authority. Here's what I mean by that. Be a part of a local church and you shouldn't just show up and tell us who your boyfriend or girlfriend is. It should be before they ask you out or if you're thinking about asking someone out or, or someone asks you out, it's okay ladies to say, when they call and say, hey, can you go out Friday night? You say, can I call you back? hang up the phone, call some people in the church that you go to, and say, maybe in your life group, maybe in a ministry you serve, maybe one of our pastors say, hey, this is so-and-so, he called me, he asked me out, what do you think? Get their opinion first. And so, because what happens normally is that they show up and they say, hey, this is my new boyfriend, my girlfriend, or my fiance, or whatever, and I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. And then I'll pull them aside later and be like, so, where'd you, how'd you meet? Oh, this is where we met, this and that, great. Are they a Christian? And I love it when they go like this. They go, I mean, Yeah sound real confident. So what you are, you're telling me is you're already making a mistake. But we've been together for months. So length of mistake means it's not a mistake. Back it up. Don't even begin the relationship until you know other godly people look and go, yeah, that's what we're looking for right there. In other words, date by committee. I know that shocks some of you. You're like, are you kidding me? That's what the Bible says. Date by committee. Honor your father and mother. Do you think that turns off when you start dating? No, no, no. Honor your father and mother in the dating relationships too. Well, my parents aren't even a Christian. They may not be a Christian, but they're not stupid. I mean, I don't know how you got, you think you got here, but but you got here because someone, you fell in love. And that's how you got here. And so they can, even if they, even if they totally blew it, I bet they can, you can learn a lot from their mistakes. So listen to the wisdom of others. And for those of you who think I'm crazy for saying this, how's that going already for you? I mean, that's the simple thing. All I have to do is say, how's it working out for you? Well, Yeah. Because when you do it the world's way, you get broken like the world does. If you do it God's way, God will bless it. So I just wanna encourage you, date by community is crazy. As that may seem to some of you, it really does work. You know, when I buy a stock, I buy a stock that's trending in the upward direction. And so even if it's down right now, I look back and say, in the last three to five years, has it trended upward? If not, I don't buy it. I don't care how, but it's a good deal. It's available. Just because it's available, that may not buy into it. Is it trending in the right direction? In the same way, look back at the person that you're interested in. Look at last year, the year before, the year before. Were they trending towards God or away from God? Because whatever, whichever way they're trending, they'll probably continue to trend that way with you, which will either pull you towards God or away from God. So look at how they are trending. It really does make a difference. Now look what happens next. Look what Boaz does. Boaz really shows us who he is. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up He was surprised to find the woman lying at his feet. I'm sure he was. (laughs) Whoa, 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 who are you, right? He says, who are you? I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter. My daughter does not mean that's his daughter. It means that you are younger than me. So basically, we know he was older than her. We don't know how older, but but he was shocked that she would be interested in him. Boaz exclaimed, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Why would he bring up her virtue? It's because he was saying, I know why you're here, and I also know why you're not here. He was saying, I know you have good intentions, because you're a virtuous woman. He wanted to protect that virtue. He he said this, there's another man who is more closely related to you than I am. I love that line because my question is, how'd you know that, Boaz? Unless you already looked into this. This gives us insight into probably why Boaz had never approached Ruth directly, because he realized, I really can't. There's someone in front of me. And so... There's someone closer kin, right? So then he says, Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he's willing to redeem you, let him marry you. But if not, if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. He was excited. He was like, Oh, I'd love to marry you, Ruth. Now lie down here until morning. Now the scripture goes on. I don't have time to read it all, but let me tell you this. He says, Lay Lay down here till morning. Not lay with me. Continue to lay down where you are till morning. He said, What's he saying? He's saying, Please don't go home right now. It's midnight. It's late. It's dangerous. It's in the Middle East. Do not walk home at night. So he's trying to protect her okay? And so then the second thing he says is, but by morning, please, before it gets completely light, go home so no one sees that you were here, because I don't want people to assume we were doing things we weren't doing. Singles, I want to tell you something that's going to really shock you. If you're single and dating someone, don't go in their house or their apartment. Don't do it. Now, those of you right now are like, I'm a 35-year-old woman. You're telling me I can't go to my boyfriend's house? No, I'm telling you, if you do, I can tell you what we're all assuming. Even if you're not, but let's just be honest. The last boyfriend or girlfriend you had when you went to their apartment, what happened there? I mean, the reason we assume it is because it probably is happening. And so, if you want to do this godly, man, it got quiet in here. It's almost like I'm saying something that's really challenging because this is so countercultural. But if you want to honor God, you got to get a little extreme and realize that if I don't do it this way, you're still. A man and woman that are attracted to each other, so you got to be careful. So he says, hey, I don't even want this to look like we're doing something. I know we're not, but because I don't want it to look like that, go ahead and stay here to, for your protection for the rest of the night. But around 5, 6 a.m. before it gets light. Go ahead and slip out and go home, and then I'll go back to town as well, so I don't want anyone saying something that didn't even happen anyways. So what's he doing? He's, he's protecting her. Let me talk to the men right now who are already married. Men, listen to me. God has called you to protect your wife, You're supposed to protect her, but does she need protection from you? We're supposed to protect our wives. They shouldn't need protection from our actions, from our words, from what we do. We should be protecting them. So I just want to encourage you to make sure that your actions protect her, bring her security. It's a big deal. So be willing to take a look at your own pattern and say, is there anything in my life that needs to change to make her feel more secure and more protected? It's a big deal that, that we do that. So then, guess what happens? Then he goes and he finds the young man who's actually closer in line to Mary Ruth. He goes to the city gates. He goes to the city fathers. This is where things become legal and public, right? He goes, hey, I want to talk to this guy in front of you guys so you can hear this proposal I have for him. They're like, okay. He says to this younger guy, who is a relative of Ruth's, he says, hey, um, I don't know if you know, but Naomi has some land through her dead husband. That is unredeemed right now. Would you be interested in purchasing? Guy's like, Yeah, absolutely. He goes, Oh, well, <laughs> with the deal comes a girl named Ruth. You got to marry her. And he goes, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I can't do that. So apparently the guy was probably married. She's like, No, that would straight up Jerry Springer in my life. I can't do that. There's no way I'm going to go home with my wife and be like, Hey, this is my second wife. Not going to happen, right? So he's like, Yeah, I can't do it. You go ahead and redeem it yourself. Notice what he doesn't say. I love what Boaz does not say. He doesn't say, So the other night, I woke up and there's this girl at my feet. He never said that. Think about how Boaz would have made himself feel like I'm such a big deal. This girl, she was at my feet. I mean, man, she wanted to be with me. He didn't do that. He didn't stroke his own ego and also embarrass Ruth. He never mentions any of that. He just talks about the land. Why? He's protecting Ruth, he's protecting her reputation. Isn't that beautiful? At no point does he expose Ruth to look insecure, to look desperate. At no point does Ruth act desperate. She does what Naomi leads her to. Naomi would not have sent Ruth over to Boaz that night if she would have thought Boaz was a bad guy that was going to take advantage of her. Naomi never would have done that. That's why she said, just do what he says. What's he saying? What's she saying? She's saying, I trust him. He's a man of God. He's not going to do the wrong thing. So there's integrity all throughout this whole thing. And so guess what happens? He marries Ruth they produce a son. That son becomes the grandfather. That son becomes the father of Jesse. His son's name is Obed, becomes the father of Jesse, the father of King David. And ultimately, it's the lineage of Jesus. Now, I want to point something out. One last thing I want to mention here. I'm sorry, two things real quick. The the second to last thing is the right person respects you even in private. They respect you even in private. And that's exactly what Boaz does. But the last thing I want to mention here is this. So, So Naomi... And her sons and and husband, they leave and they go to Moab for 10 years. Their life turns into a wreck. Her and Ruth come back to God, to come back to Bethlehem. And in one year, both their lives completely change. Because at the end of this year, she she marries Boaz. They produce a son. And the son, by the way, gives, gives Naomi purpose. Naomi took care of the son in her old age. And so she found so much joy in her grandchild, right? And so here's the whole point. You tell me where your life is messed up, and I want to challenge you to do something radical today. I want to challenge you to give God one year. Singles, this is going to sound insanely crazy, but I promise you God will bless this. Date God only for one year. That means someone slides up in your DM say sorry, I'm already with somebody right now. You need to tell them who. And so I want to challenge you to walk away from who you can see for who you can't see even you say, well, but, but I've, I've got a godly relationship. Well, that's different. If you have a godly relationship, then you're great. But if you don't have a godly relationship, it maybe time back up and say, I'm just going to walk with Jesus for next year, and then see what God does through that. Singles, I'm going to tell you this right now. I've seen this time and again. Over and over again, I've seen singles that either recalibrate the current relationship, make it godly. You can do that. That's possible, okay? But ask, is God in this, okay? The second thing you do, that's the riskiest thing because we don't really know yet, whether well, it's going to work. because We've got to look at the back patterns to see what the patterns are before you showed up, okay? But the second thing you can do is say, just me and you, God, for the next year. Now, those of you who say, well, I'm, I'm not single. This is not even something I'm considering. Well, you tell me the area your life is kind of broken. Maybe you say, man, my finances are a mess. Then here's the one challenge you do. Take every scripture on, on money and just do at whatever it says for the next 12 months. Just tithe, budget, live on less, Say, Just do what the Bible says and see if you're not in a totally different place 12 months from now. If your health is bad, study every scripture on health and just do what it says. See if your health is not better in 12 months. You tell me the area of your life that's messed up. You see, I'm emotionally a mess. You find all the verses on emotion, on positive thinking, on faith, and fill your mind with that. See if one year from now, you're not different. You say, I feel so far from God. Get in God's house and stay here for one year straight. Be here every single Sunday serving. Get involved. See if your life's not totally different. Give God one year. Because God did more in Ruth and Naomi's life in one year than they could do on their own in 10. God can do more in your life if you'll devote yourself to him in one year than you can do in 10. Just give him one year. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed as we make this time of prayer. This may be a holy moment for you. You're saying, I'm setting apart the next year. Year for you. I want to challenge you. I don't know the area of your life, and you do this, and that's not my determination. That's between you and the Lord. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's dating. Maybe it's maybe it's money. Maybe it's your career. Maybe you need to be a Boaz and say, for the next year, if you're single, you say, I'm going to show up at work and I'm not going to leave. I'm going to be the last person to leave the office every single night for the next year. Praise God. I don't know what it is for you. But you tell me the area you're hurting in, and I want to challenge you spend the next 12 months doing every scripture on that subject, whatever it is. Just do a topical study in your Bible on that one issue and apply every verse, obey it, for one year and watch God transform your life. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, are you willing to give God one year? He'll change your life. Everything can change as long as you do your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're willing to do that, lift your hand high to God. Say, I'm going to give you a year, God. I'm going to devote this next year. Every area of scripture on this particular subject, I'm going to obey it. You say, pastor, I can't do that. I'm so broke. I can't tithe for next year. You're already broke. What's it going to hurt? Just give God 10% because living on hundred percent, how's that working out for you? So you might as well just live on 90 and watch God bless it. Well, I mean, this is scary. I can't do it with my relationships. Well, how are the last ones worked out? We've already messed that up, so why don't we just try it? What's the worst thing that can happen? Oh, wow, I over-obeyed God. Oh, how hard was that? The only thing that can happen here is good. Obey God. Give Him one year. He will change everything. Apply every verse on marriage in the Scripture for one year. Watch God change your marriage. Apply every Scripture on faithfulness. Watch God change you from being erratic to being faithful. You tell me where you're weak, God will make you strong. Give him a year. Thank you. Put your hands down. Every head bow the right clothes. Have you given your life to Christ? Because to be a kinsman redeemer also meant that Ruth, if it got even worse, she would have ended up selling herself as a slave. And Naomi too. They would have said, we can't provide for ourselves, so we'll just take care. Well, I'll be your maid if you'll just feed me, feed and clothe me. So a family redeemer comes along and says, I'm going to buy you back out of that and free you. Guess what? Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He gave his life. He ransomed himself for us. Have you given your life to Jesus? You can receive him right now. Pray this simple prayer with me across all of our campuses. Those who are watching online, pray this out loud. Just say this. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer across all of our campuses, those who are watching online, would you just lift your hand high if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ? No one's looking around other than our campus pastors, that's it. Just lift your hand high if you just pray that prayer to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Wow. People are raising hands all across our campuses right now. We see those hands right now at Rodfield, at Podger Allen, at Rockport. Thank you. Stone Oak. Keep that hand held high. Thank you. We see those people who just gave their life to Christ. Just hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you for that decision you've made to trust Christ. Wow. God is moving right now among us. Lift your hand high. Those of you who are watching online, you can simply put in the text chat right now, my hand is raised you're at churchunlimited.com, click my hands raised. Just let us know right now. We'd love to hear about your decision. Just hold your hand high. If you just gave your life to Christ, praise God. You're not alone. A lot of hands up right now. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hand high. Lift your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for that decision to give your life to Jesus. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you. This is a holy moment, Lord. Not only have many given their lives to Christ, but many people have given the next year to you. And Lord, I pray that they would set aside this year and simply honor you. And I know, God, if we'll take the initiative, you will transform our very lives. Thank you for your word. It's so powerful. Thank you that you met the needs of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi all at the same time. You are that good, God. So we trust our lives in your hands. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. And God good? His word is so true.